When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. feeling better yes i am yes sorry about my little illness these, these things happen and mm. you know it, it turned out it just delayed the podcast by 24 hours so no harm done no harm yeah. done at all yeah. um so, but I was, I was i was a little bit worried about you and then i spoke to you earlier on and you told me that you've been under the weather and you'd done a covid test to be on the safe side mm. so I ended up coming off the phone and Sarah said, who are you speaking to? I said, it was Annabelle. I said, oh, it turned out she was physically ill. And Sarah said, how, how do you mean? And I just assumed you were sort of having a bad mental health day. <laughs> that was your first thought. Your first thought wasn't like, was physically ill, even though I'm quite a frail specimen. But you I suppose mentally and physically. <laughs> well, we were both mentally frail specimens, but... <laughs> I, th- I think it was. Um, I think usually, if something is wrong with one or the other of us, mm. we tend to say what it is. And if we don't say what it is, it's just code for I'm not doing very well mentally. I need to go oh, to bed yeah, for a few days. Yeah, it wasn't very explicit. Yeah, it's yeah, because that. it was my illness was a bit vague. I just felt a bit blur. So I felt like there wasn't any. It wasn't a cold. It wasn't a flu. I didn't really have the word for it. What is the word for it? Did you feel peaky? Peaky, I guess peaky, but that's not very medical, is it? No, no, I suppose it's not. Well, I'm glad you're on the mend, and uh, it seems to have been short-lived because we're recording this on Wednesday, mm. and I think Tuesday was your bad day. But mm. I saw you at the weekend. Was it Saturday or Sunday that I it saw was you? Saturday, yes. We went over to Annabelle's house, and I just want to say I had the, the loveliest time. It's been a while since I've been entertained by you, and just had a great time. Good carry on <laughs> what's happening no right? i just no why why are you so suspicious that i'm gonna say something mean i feel like I you're gonna say great... something about my no, cooking no no i'll tell you what i thought and i thought mm. it was lovely um that you go away you go around to a lot of people's houses and you come away stuffed you know they really <laughs> they, they really they really overface you with food like some you know Sometimes when I go to somebody's house and they give me a meal, I don't then need to have another meal when I get home. 
But you made sure that that didn't didn't happen. Look, I'll hold my hands up. I rather drastically underestimated the amount of food that I needed. It's because I was cooking a new recipe and it didn't, a friend gave it to me and it didn't say how many it was for. So I assumed it was for four. But looking back, I think it was just for two. If a rec- Even if a recipe says serves four, I always sort of had 50%. I think better right. make enough for six people because, yeah. you know, th- th- these people who write recipe books, they don't live in the same world as I do. <laughs> you know people always want yeah more than i've, I've learned from my mistake yeah mm. no it's lovely and you made me a delicious cocktail which i enjoyed you used uh, a promotional cocktail shaker that you'd i guess you'd gotten free from somewhere no no it was a, it was a it was a christmas present from someone why was it branded perno then i don't know Good question. I don't know. It was a Perno branded <laughs> cocktail shaker. <laughs> you know, so you shook me up this beautiful virgin mojito in the cocktail mm. shaker, which mm. you then served it in, which <laughs> I thought was great because what I don't like is when I go to somebody's house. I don't like worrying about how much washing up they're going to have to do. And I can tell you were really, you were really sort of minimising how much work you would have to do after we left. And that felt good. It was just it was just in there in the glass. And I thought, well, why pour it into another glass? It's already in a glass. I'll just yeah. give it to you in there. But it wasn't exactly a glass. It had all like rubber around the, uh, the rim. <laughs> okay. In so retrospect, was, I should have put made... it in a proper glass. <laughs> but I had so much, much less washing up to do. Thank you for that. <laughs> I take it you didn't get out Debrett's etiquette guide before we came round then just to bone up. It's lockdown has been long, oh, social distancing has been long. We've all forgotten the, the rules of interaction. So, yeah, but, I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry yeah, about no, that. No, we did, we did, did have a lovely, uh, a lovely time. Uh, so there's that. Um, we have, moving, moving on, thank, thank you for having us. Can we come back again? Um, yes, <laughs> I'll cook more next time <laughs> and use a glass. <laughs> Um, um, so moving on from that did I tell you we have now sort of been able to get our cleaner to come back oh you didn't tell me this no did we talk about this on the podcast Hmm, not sure I can't remember if we talked about it in the podcast or in real life but we're in this situation where of course we you know uh, kept paying our cleaner every week but didn't expect her to come during all of lockdown and during all the restrictions and then the guidelines and we wanted to make sure that she felt comfortable so we kept saying look you know only come back when you feel comfortable and and then it was getting to a point where it was getting slightly uncomfortable for us because we can't sort of afford to just pay a cleaner indefinitely to stay at home Mm, yeah but we you know we want to and and the point being she came back after what I would have thought was the last possible minute but absolutely fine good to have her back and she was so grateful that we carried on paying her in full throughout the whole thing she brought us um, a box of chocolates oh that's nice from Poland right they're they're really horrible (laughs) what's wrong with them they just taste disgusting yeah, well, so so for a start, so they're, they're kind of dark chocolate on the outside. Mm. Um, but you know that sort of dark chocolate, which tastes almost as if it's got, uh, like, sort of, it tastes powdery, dried out a little bit too much. Mm, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So that's the... And then on the inside uh, is is what I've come to understand is marshmallow. 
but right. I didn't know that as I was biting into it. And that opens up a whole other can of worms for me because as a vegetarian, you've got to be uh, careful with marshmallow because yeah. it often has gelatin in it. But I can't read Polish. But I didn't want it to come every week and see this box of chocolates unopened. And so, you know, so anyway, she came today and I thought what I'm going to have to do here to overcompensate for the fact that I've only eaten one chocolate is go on and on about how great the chocolate was. Mm-hmm. And she was so pleased and she said, I'm going to bring you more. I'm going to bring you, what other flavours do you like? Uh, do, you oh, li- do, you like no. do you like plum? I said, well, I, I, I do, I, li- I like it, but I didn't want it to go to any trouble. So I just said, honestly, the ones you got are so nice. So we're going to end up with all this marshmallow flavoured chocolate that I can't oh, eat in the house. No, no. But in amongst all this, I did manage to learn a, a, a great fact, okay. which is... Um, guess what marshmallow translates to in, in Polish? Oh, I don't know. And you lived there for a while, so you should. <laughs> Six months, but yeah, go on. Um, bird's milk. Bird's milk? Yeah. Wow, bird's milk. But why? Because they think I don't it's know. Like the milk from a... That's insane. I think it's a lovely, I think it's a lovely thing. But do, bird, do birds even have milk? Like, can you milk a bird? Well, no, I don't think you can milk a bird. They're not There's mammals. No such are thing they? as birds. No, milk. no. Well, there is, and that's you wow. know that's. It's it, basically they they made marshmallow and they thought if you could milk a bird, this is what it would taste oh, like. Yeah, ooh, it's not disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there was that. Oh, and um, my other bit of news. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. You know that I t- sort of like worry about my prospects long time, long term, and I haven't really got a retirement plan. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, I think I have now got one. Oh, go on. So, for for reasons that I don't need to go into, I found out there's another Jeff Lloyd, the the second most popular Jeff Lloyd on Google. Mm-hmm. I know this just sounds like I was Googling my own name, which I this tend not to do because it's not good for my mental health, but um, the, the story is too convoluted. But the, the, the second most popular Jeff Lloyd on Google used to be a geologist in Leeds, but no more. Oh, happened. Right. It is a hedge fund manager, some kind of like <gasps> financial whiz kid investor. He manages an £80 billion fund and he's based in Australia. No. Ready for my retirement plan? Yeah. I write to him and say, if you want to be the number one Jeff Lloyd on Google, I will happily cease all my activities from now onwards and fade into even further into obscurity. All you have to do is provide me with this, deposit this number into my bank account. And Don't you think it would be worth it to a guy like that to be the number one Jeff Lloyd on Google? Honestly, that kind of person, I honestly think that they might do it. You've definitely got to try. What sort of number were you thinking of, just out of interest? <laughs> I'll write it down for you. Okay. All right, Annabelle, how is the, uh, how's the email inbox looking this week? How's that trickle been? Yeah, nice steady trickle. Good, but good. First one is from Jess. 
I'll take you back to my year abroad in the lovely USA around 2010. I'd been a lucky duck and after a year of studying and then an internship, I was chosen by the company at the very last minute to stage manage one of their productions in New York City, the dream. They couldn't afford to find me a place to stay and I was very much at the stage of brokenness where you buy a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter and see how many days it can last. So until it got sorted with a room at the playwright's parents' house, one of the actors took me in. My host roommate was in when I got there. I'd never met her before and she was acting in the production and it was all a bit orcs. She was waiting for a Chinese takeaway to arrive and it was taking a long time. So I made a jokey comment that these things only arrive when you really don't want them to, like when you're having a shower. She took this to mean that I thought she should shower right there and then. She was a bit confused about it, but she was like, okay, I'll I'll shower then, I guess. I was flummoxed that that was what she got from what I'd said, but rendered speechless by awkwardness. How could I explain that she didn't need to take a shower and that she'd misunderstood? She got all the way down to her underwear and towel in front of me, oddly, then said, but I don't want to shower. And then she redressed. Of course, the takeaway, nowhere to be seen. Trying to explain that I didn't mean she should shower and I was trying to make a light of the situation, maybe want to dissolve into the ground. I suspect she is a drifter too, otherwise why would she have undressed on command? But letting her know about the podcast would mean having to speak to her again and I think that social interaction is best avoided. Agreed. That was great. Nathaniel. I'm not sure if this story is beneficial or not, as I still can't work out if it's an awkward interaction or an insanely confident one. It is something I witnessed firsthand way back in the early noughties. I was chatting to a male friend in a study area before the school day began when an acquaintance of the female persuasion approached. It should be noted that she was a fringe personality type and, shamefully, normally considered annoying though thankfully I was not in a friendship group of outright bullying. She had a bit of a crush on my friend and interrupted him to ask if he wanted to look at her holiday photographs. This was pre-camera phone days and they were printed out and in an envelope, to which his immediate response was, no thanks, I've got to mow the lawn. He then got up and moved to another table. I have never figured out if he blurted or panicked or if he was extremely confident, but it haunts me to this day, feeling the pain I perceive I would have been would have feel if I'd been either party. That's I incredible. That, yeah, yeah. But I feel that could be everyone's line now. Sorry, I've got to mow the lawn <laughs> for everything. <laughs> I think I've told you this story before. Um, when I was a young man and used to frequent nightclubs, I was with your friend and mine and perhaps yours too, listeners, the, uh, the uh, comedian Dave Gorman. And we were talking to these young women uh, in, a, in a club and one of them said, oh, do you want to see a picture of my dog? And Dave said, what sort of dog is it? Is it a crossbreed? And she said, no, it's an Alsatian. And he said, oh, I don't need to see a picture of it then. <laughs> because I know what an Alsatian looks like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. But if it's a crossbreed, it really annoyed it her. Really, really got her back up. Yeah, well, when it's your dog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, And this is from Johnny, blurting out the wrong thing to celebrities. They say you should never meet your heroes. In my case, this is not because they won't live up to expectations, but because I won't be able to come up with a suitable piece of repartee that is worthy of their time. That's why I never approach celebrities. 
except for one instance, when I came across the keyboard-playing purveyor of musical whimsy, David O'Doherty, hanging around George Square during the Edinburgh Fringe. Here was my chance to tell my comedy idol how much I'd loved his previous three shows and that I'd be sure to see his current one before the end of its festival run. David, I called out. He turned expectantly. I haven't gone to your show this year. Uh, Thanks, man, he replied appreciatively, as if responding to an actual compliment. And with that, I quite simply turned around and walked off and haven't approached another celebrity since. Oh, that's good. Mm. That, that's that's so good. I mean, that's possibly a topic in itself. Um, trying to compliment someone and it coming out all wrong. Oh, yes. Um, please uh, do send your stories to us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. <laughs> Annabelle, I'm ready for another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. Okay, I had a haircut last week, which was my first in six months. And it was with a new hairdresser, as my usual one is on maternity leave. But I wasn't too worried about it as I'd read a newspaper headline saying hairdressers forbidden by law to make small talk or something like that. Like it might not have been exactly those words, but that's what I'd taken from it. Also, several drifters sent us that headline, which I really appreciated. Yes, yes, yes. Turns out that my new hairdresser needs to be imprisoned. I did dial 999 and report it mid-chat, but they weren't interested. <laughs> there, was a, there was a bit of small talk going on. I mean, luckily, it was oh, only a no. bit of small talk. It turns out she lives very close to where I grew up, so there was some common ground. It wasn't too bad. But, you know, there was some small talk going on, and I, was not, I wasn't prepared for it. I had my mask on, and I thought, I'm just going to sit here, mute, and it's going to be amazing. And then she started talking. The worst bit, though, was when I had to tell her what I wanted done with my hair, which was basically same again, collarbone length, long layers, bit shorter around the face. But I'm incapable of saying this without adding at the end. But, you know, whatever you think is best. Like I'm somehow <laughs> insulting their years of experience and training by thinking that I know best. That I'm disgustingly arrogant, even though, you know, actually it is my hair. And then she washed it, which is fine, although I've been pre-warned that I wouldn't get the head massage because of coronavirus. I'm still not sure why. But anyway, that saved me the dilemma of whether I close my eyes or not, which always (laughs) takes away any of the relaxation element of the massage. And then she cut my hair all the same length and then went to go and get the hairdryer. And as I've said, this is not what I wanted. Like I wanted long layers and shorter at the front. So while she's gone, I'm I'm in agony trying to decide what to do. Like it's costing me £47, this haircut. And I definitely don't want it all the same length. But the thought of bringing it up is horrific. So what I eventually manage when she returns is I sort of hold up a piece of my hair at the front and I say, I wonder if perhaps this bit could be a little bit shorter. (laughs) The I wonder was really softening it there. I don't know for sure if it could be shorter. I'm just wondering, what do you think? (laughs) And she says, yeah, I'm going to do that when it's dry. Like in all my years of haircuts, I've never had the actual style cut into it at the very end, like after it's been dried. But the way she said it, it was like I'd never been to a hairdresser before and I didn't know how it works. Like I was a total amateur. It was like I'd gone to Wagamama's and asked for a whole table to myself or pressed the open button on the tube train doors or like gone to the dentist and swallowed that pink liquid. And she did proceed to cut it all properly and how I wanted when it was dry. And maybe this is part of the new normal. But if so, why wasn't that on the newspaper headline? That would be much more useful than the small talk lie. 
I've got something to tell you. I nearly, well, I kind of did a um, a laughing on the outside, dying on the inside to somebody else. No. Yes. Yeah. So there's a cafe near our house, Esther's, which is magnificent. As good as uh, the the shop you will have heard me talk about a lot, Five Sapphires is, you know, for for basic um, for basic provisions. Like mm. this, this cafe is is something else. Like if it closed down, I'd consider moving house. It's that good, <laughs> and it's run by a couple called Jack and Nia, and they've reopened, you know, somewhat recently uh, as a takeaway only because of the current situation. Anyway, I, as I was going to Five Sapphires Shop to buy some um, milk earlier. I caught a glimpse of them shuttering up the cafe for the night and I gave them a wave and um, they sort of started talking to me. And I noticed that Jack, his hair has got very long. And I, so I said, oh, you're not letting Nia cut your hair then? And he said, yeah, everyone's been saying that. And oh, I just thought, oh, no. no, oh, no. I have done the thing that I've been decrying. I've made the most obvious joke. And then I stood and made probably 10 minutes more small talk than I needed to because I felt like I needed to uh, regain lost ground and put myself... It's just the worst feeling, isn't it? Knowing that that, that look in their eyes, you're like, oh, they've heard that so many times. Yeah, I know. I'm not original. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I'd just... It was a nice day today. I wish I'd just said, hot hot enough for you. (laughs) Let's just stick to that. Um, so on that subject have you got some more Mm. of these sort of laughing on the outside dying on the inside the jokes that everybody makes about usually your job yeah yeah so the first is from hi chief tracy i work for the met police on a safer transport team so one of my regular roles is to visit bus garages to see if they've had any problems on every visit without fail as soon as we enter the staff canteen one driver will shout out look Look out, they've come to get you. Or here he is, as they point out their mate. This is usually followed with a get your handcuffs out. The other thing we get from general members of the public on a regular basis is, oh, you must get hot in that body armour. It's like when they're standing in a 90 degree heat with body armour, hat, trousers and boots. Don't say that. Don't ever say that. Um, Matt says, part of my job is to sell bingo tickets. So several times a night, I have to hear, can I have the lucky ones, please? To which I normally reply, oh, sorry, I've sold all the lucky ones. This usually gets the response, oh, I won't bother then. Ha ha. (laughs) Cue work laugh. Uh, Sophie (gasps) says, when I tell people I work in a mental health hospital, they often say, oh, I feel like I will need an admission soon and laugh to themselves. I normally just ignore this comment, but if I'm feeling particularly sarcastic, I will then go into detail of the multiple routes of referral. <laughs> when, I go, when I go on to tell them I work with deaf people, they always reply with, pardon? Oh, I, usually no. fall for, <laughs> oh, no. I usually fall for this and start to repeat what I'm saying. Then slowly, I will see that smug grin appear on their face like they are a comedian who has just managed to outwit a politician on a panel show. <laughs> I hate this comment for so many reasons. Firstly, it just doesn't make sense. If I said I work with blind people, would would they cover their eyes and say, where are you? (laughs) Secondly, it makes me feel stupid for doing the polite thing and repeating what I said because I assumed they were not making a tedious joke. 
Thirdly, I never really know how to respond other than to do an awkward laugh and say, oh, you got me. (laughs) And fourthly, it's the look of undeserved pride they get when they think they're the first person to ever make that joke. Oh, it's so disheartening. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, Let's have one more. It's from Alec. I'm a nighttime lorry driver. And the thing people normally say is, oh, I expect the roads are quieter at night. To which I reply, yes, but they're all closed. However, (laughs) one of my friends, almost every time I see him, (laughs) asks how many cyclists I've run over or how many prostitutes I've murdered this week. (laughs) first thing that came into my head that's why i was laughing because i knew that's what you were thinking how many sex workers have you bludgeoned today i'm never sure how to respond so normally i just chuckle and roll my eyes i'm sorry that is a terrible stereotyping of lorry drivers there i do isn't do it apologize. Know, yeah, just a few bad apples <laughs> <laughs> um uh, the thing that I always want, I think we would do it occasionally if we um, get a, uh, uh, somebody who did that for a living as a caller on the radio show. I always want to know about that secret bit in the motorway services where only lorry drivers get to go. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, I imagine it's like, you know, when you hear about the canteen at Google with every type of food in the world, I imagine it's like that, mm. only every type of deep fried food in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, th- these are great. I mean, I, th- I think there's a, probably a bit more, a bit more mileage in this, isn't there? Yeah, let's do another few weeks. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So tired today. I know there's nothing more tedious than hearing people talk about how tired they are, but I mean, like physically, I feel physically wrecked because I am doing a, a level of physical activity. I don't know that I've, I've ever. I suppose when I was doing PE twice a week at school or three times a week or whatever it would have been, you know that that's the only comparable period of my life because we're going out on bikes all the time. And then yesterday we went to the seaside. Oh, did Which, you? Nice. Just on, just for a day trip. Do you think this is weird? I think it is weird. Sarah thinks it isn't. We went for a day trip to the seaside while Jean was at nursery. Um, yeah, sort of thing you would normally take your child with. Because when we got yeah. to the seaside, we just saw all these families. And I think we just treated it as, oh, we've got a chance to do do something, just the two of us. So, right, yeah. Which made me fe- feel awful, really. But... Um, he, he wouldn't have appreciated it. <laughs> I, I tried a nice myself. day at nursery. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Um, but we went to a place called Camber Sands. Have you ever been there? I have. It's lovely. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's a beautiful beach, but it's, it's sand dunes. And I'll tell you what is exhausting more than pretty much any any activity I can think of. 
walking up a sand dune. Oh, it's exhausting. Exhausting. I I really just want, you know, like when you see um, a film about people stranded in the desert and at some point, like one of them just says, I'm just going to lie down and die. That's how I felt <laughs> going up the sand dune to come back the other side to look at the beach. I'm just going to let the sand take me. Why is it so exhausting walking up a sand dune? Uh, I think it's because it keeps the sand just won't stop moving. If it would just stand still, it'd be all right. It'd be easier. It'd just be like walking on concrete, but it's moving all the time, making it harder. I hate sand so much. You shouldn't have gone to camp sands. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I'll tell you what I like is a boardwalk. A boardwalk. Oh, a lovely boardwalk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you've got steps and you've got a nice, uh, you know, a, a, a nice bit with boards, floorboards that you can walk along and you're looking at the beach. I love looking at the beach and the sand. I just don't like being on it. Do you like it getting between your toes? No, no, no nobody likes that. And no, you know, someone like, somewhere—that's their thing. Yeah, but you know they're a weirdo. Mm. There's something off with them, isn't there? Um, mm. The reason we went to Cambersands is we actually went to a nearby town called Rye that I had been to before, oh, and yeah. I thought Sarah would really like it. And then when we got there, I could tell she was underwhelmed by it. Oh no! Really? Yeah. You know, like when you take some somebody somewhere where you feel like the, you know, the the scenery or the streets or the buildings or whatever are really impressive, and then they mm. just carry on talking about whatever they were talking about. And you're like thinking, but look, look at this! Isn't this beautiful? And you keep having to say, "Wow, look at that!" In the hope that they'll start being emphatic, and and you know, the emphatic praise of the cobbled streets of Rye never came. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It really annoys me. Did you say anything? Did you say, why aren't you enjoying it more? No, I'll tell you what I said to her. I said, I said isn't this beautiful, this street? She said, yeah. And I could tell she didn't mean it or, or she didn't think it was that beautiful. I said to her, you think we could have just seen a street like this if we'd gone to Hampstead, don't you? And she said, yeah, I do. Because I just know her. Yeah. Ooh. Did you know that walking on cobble streets makes you cleverer? Go on. <laughs> Looks, someone very reliable told me that there's some there's something about the way that your brain has to work out what your feet are doing that makes your brain sharper. So, look, I've never googled it. Someone told me I've never verified it, but somebody once told me this. Is it is it the friend of yours who I might expect you to have once told you something like this? <laughs> You don't know. You don't know. Who told me it. Okay, Look, okay. I tell you what. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to Google it and then get back to you on this. I kind of. So I regret do... bringing it up now. I just think, like, why did the great technological advances not happen until this time came into the paper? Like, there were a lot of cobbled mm. streets and not much was happening. Yeah, you make a good point. You make a very good point, OK? <laughs> then the Industrial Revolution came along, you know, <laughs> streets started getting better mm. and great leaps forward were made. Mm. Well, if anyone can verify this fact for me, do let me know. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be very interested to hear, hear okay. that. Oh, uh, um, what else can I tell you about? So when we were in Rye, there's a cafe sort of built into the, the train station. So there's a, there's a hatch on the platform. But if you go out the front of the train station, they've got a few tables outside. And because we were early for our train home, we went and got a cup of tea and a slice of cake. There's some people at a table next to us who I was you know, only vaguely aware of. And then I saw the big burly man who run the cafe come out. He he loomed over them and he went, really, really? 
you're just going to sit here and you're going to drink your own beer, are you? And we can't, no. we haven't even got a license. And these people have brought a beer and not purchased any food. Oh. And he was looming over them. Now, his tone was a little bit off. That being said, they were rule breakers. But I had to make a decision in the split second who to, you know, because what you want to do in that situation is make eyes with the person you think is in the right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then yeah. sort of roll your eyes like, well, I'm with you here on this, which I did with the cafe proprietor. But I don't like the pressure of that moment. That's it's very more difficult as more difficult as well when you're wearing a face mask. Oh, cool. yeah, of course. You've got to do all the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the only other thing that happened in Rye. Today we went on a bike ride and we ended up going for lunch outside this pub in a really nice area of London. So, so nice, in fact, that, you know, I think pretty much everybody who lives there is is one of the super rich. Right. And there was a a, a man and a woman and a baby at the table next to us. And... The man was very chatty. He he was he was very chatty indeed uh, with my wife about where to park the bike. Um, so I just tried to stay out of it as much as possible because he seemed quite alpha. He seemed like the sort of man, doesn't seem necessarily like he would have his own yacht, but he seems like he, he could charter a yacht. And then if the skipper said, do you want to take to the helm for for a couple of hours? He'd know what he was doing, <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. Do you know the the type that mm. I mean? Mm. Yeah. Um. So so I sort of got drawn into the conversation, and uh, he was telling me how much he loved cycling and how I was going to really get into it. He's telling me that he burns between fifteen hundred and two thousand calories a day when he goes out cycling. Uh, That's which, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that, I think I think we're approaching the cycling in very different ways. Like he was mm, telling mm. me about his bike, which was some kind of off-road mountain all-terrain bike, whereas mine's got a basket on the front of it, and <laughs> <laughs> it looks like I should be coming back from a bakery. Um, anyway, so so because they had a baby, I asked if he was going to get a child seat for the baby. Mm. And he says, "No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, it's it's just. I think it's a bit dangerous, especially when you're out there on the bike. You know what it's like. You get, uh, you know, the adrenaline really kicks in. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> he said, I'm very driven anyway, so I make rash decisions. You do some things you might not ordinarily. You know, you get a bit overconfident. And I said, let me tell you something." There is never any danger in any scenario in life of me getting overconfident. And him and his wife laughed so heartily at my joke <laughs> that it's now my ambition to go and live in that part of London because I think I could be a big hit with the super rich. <laughs> they're, they're All I need humor. to do is get that other Jeff Lloyd to pay for it. <laughs> Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Annabelle? Yes. First one's from Maya. Mm. What is standing ovation etiquette? 
My boyfriend will not stand up to applaud after a play he doesn't think deserves it. He thinks that standing ovations should be reserved for truly exceptional works, not just any enjoyable play. I do agree that it seems like every play we go to, granted not that many, ends in a standing ovation. This is indeed tedious and has probably become meaningless. However, I always follow the lead of the people around me. He, on the other hand, will remain seated while clapping for the whole length of the applause, even if every other person in the theatre stands up. It's obvious he is a young, able-bodied man as he jumps up to leave right after. Should we all just accept crowd rule and stand up to applaud regardless, or is he brave in taking a stand, in brackets seat, against the normalisation of excessive applause? I'm going to tell you something that I believe with all my heart here. Great, do it. It doesn't matter how good the thing you've just seen is, the person who starts the standing ovation is always, without exception, a problem. Right, because they want the attention on them. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's always something off about that person. I'm not saying standing ovations are terrible per se, although I do sort of share similar feelings to uh, to Maya's boyfriend. But... Um, the person who starts one, always a right nuisance. I think people could get a bit carried away as well. I think there should be some kind of cooling off period. So like after <laughs> after a play finishes, there should be a 10 minute wait where everyone like votes on whether to do a standing ovation or not. Just to give the time to like process and think and like, you know, not get so carried away. I've told you before, I don't even like expressing an opinion about a film or a play until I'm confident that nobody else who is in the audience is close to me on the street. Oh, yeah, it's awful. If, you, if I go and see a film, I, I, I completely clam up afterwards until I'm outside. Yeah, I don't want, yeah, I don't want anyone me to too. hear what I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to like go in a different direction to the other people, mm. swerve down a back alley. Then I'll start telling you what I thought, but not, not, not until that point. Um, yeah, I but feel back, so self-conscious. Yeah, back to the matter in hand here. Yes, standing ovation. I mean, I think... I think if more than three quarters of the people in your vision or peripheral vision um, are standing, you have to stand. The problem is, if it's a play, which it probably is, the actors in their play, they are not going to see anybody that's standing up. They're only going to see that one person sitting down. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. so you might as well just not be that person. Yeah. I'll tell you something else. I've only just thought about this now. Sometimes a feeling I get, if I have held off joining in with a standing ovation, if I stand up, I feel like it's a real moment. It's like, oh, even that guy now. Look, we finally got to, even he's, even he's with us. That's quite a nice feeling. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, don't do not do it if if you can avoid it. But I think uh, it's a 75% of people... In, in your eyeline. Yeah, I agree. Okay, okay let's, good. let's go on to Mike. Yeah. I've been using lockdown by trying to get fit. I'm in my late 40s and I live in a semi-rural village surrounded by lovely countryside. And it's been my privilege to be able to leave the house and within 10 minutes be walking in the wild. I've been testing myself by climbing this steep staircase that's been cut into the side of the hill on an old pack horse route. I can now walk up it without needing to stop halfway up for a breather, which is a considerable achievement. But it is a narrow passage. Two people can pass each other, but nothing more than that. 
The other day I was halfway up it, making good progress. Someone at the top had decided to cycle down. He clearly hadn't seen me or hadn't bothered to look. And the first I noticed of him, I was wearing earphones, was when he hurtled towards me a couple of metres away. I had a second to move out of the way. And even then my fingers brushed his handlebar. It wasn't enough to knock him off or anything, but he screeched to a halt, swearing loudly and made to turn around. I apologised to diffuse the situation and off we went in our separate directions. However, I spent the rest of the walk wondering if I'd see him again and what he would do. I feel bad about apologising. The right of way was clearly mine and things could have been much worse if I had noticed in time. What would anyone else have done in this situation? So I guess this is I mean, about apologising when it's not your fault. Yeah, which I hate doing, but mm. you know sometimes just your impulses to to apologise, isn't it? Um, but I, I think this cyclist sounds awful. And as somebody who's been enjoying cycling recently, what you've got to realise in that situation, and I've said this before, if you're cycling, if you're jogging or whatever, you are the person using the space in the abnormal way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, you, because you're you going fast. To, yeah. Yeah, and you have to, you know, pedestrians get priority. Yep. So I have no sympathy for that cyclist. Um, and So you're in the right, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike's yeah. in the right. Yes. And, but should he have apologised? No, of course he shouldn't have apologised. But, like, I, I, I'm somebody who often will just say sorry for any, anything I've done. Mm, mm, you mm. know, for existing, really, I think, is essentially what I'm apologising for. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it diffuses the situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it, if, in a different... I'm talking about, like, some kind of physical situation I'll always apologise in. Um in relationships, I will only only ever apologise if I definitely think I'm in the wrong, because then my um, my my uh, apologies have meaning. Yep, they're not just hollow words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really, Mike just did the right thing. That's that was quite I easy. I think so. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I what I don't like about the situation is that cyclist who sounds like a terrible person mm. uh, is is got away thinking that he was in the right. And I wish that you could have had a great quip. Well, maybe what he can do is go back in the dead of the night with a head mm. torch and a large piece of white chalk and write on one of the steps, not sorry, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll never know for sure it was you, but he'll know deep down. that Great, he, great. He was, yeah, there we go. That's, that's, Great, that's we've sorted all. it. Yeah. And that was our podcast for this week. Thank you for listening. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner or a story for us or something for laughing on the outside, dying on the inside, then you can email us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Just want to apologise because we're doing it remotely this week again uh, because Annabelle's not been very well. Um, it's been We've had this problem where we can't really hear each other. So if it's been a little more stilted than and uncomfortable than usual even (laughs) then we can only apologise for that 
thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took the photos. Kim Rainey designed the artwork. And uh, I think my favourite phrase from this week's episode was, uh, OK, I'll shower then, I guess. Podication time. Oh, this comes from Ed Driscoll, who says, Hiya, Jeff and Annabelle. Hiya. Hiya. My name is Ed Driscoll, three. I wonder if that's a typo. And I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I'd, I'd really like it if it, um, if it, he has had a three added onto his name, though. I don't think it's a typo because he uses it again at the end of the email. Maybe he's Ed Driscoll the third. Oh, nice. maybe, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I'm really into it because it looks uh, a bit like a heart at the end of his name, mm. the way it's sitting. Also, a bit like a bum. Hmm. Yes. Just ever so slightly. Ed Driscoll III. You're probably right. Ed Driscoll III. My name is Ed Driscoll III, and I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I would love another another podication for my daughter, Sophie Marie, near her birthday. Her birthday's on the 2nd of August, and she will be 15. Her first podication was in 2006, when she turned one, one year old. Oh, wow. At that time, you had mentioned a utopian society. Who knew? It would be in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. Um, I've listened to you and Annabelle from the Pete and Jeff uh, and every show through Virgin and Absolute. I am, I am now a drifter. It's so lovely that you're still with us, Ed, after yeah. all these years. Um, I would be grateful once again if you could do this for an amazing and talented young woman. Thank you from a drifter in St. Louis, Ed Driscoll Third. Wow. Well, th- firstly, Ed, thank you for the long service. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, and, and like, what an odd thing to have a podication on your first birthday and your 15th. Mm. So I guess what we were doing with thinking, like, what life might be like in 2020. Maybe, yeah. I've got it very wrong. <laughs> um, happy birthday. Any advice for a 15-year-old, Annabelle? Oh, goodness, don't ask me for advice. No, no. Literally, I'm not going to say a single word of advice. What about you? I think just try to fit in is, is the thing, isn't it? Okay. Don't be do anything yourself. that's at no, all different. Be, and I'm going to say be yourself. Be yourself. Like work out what everybody else's opinion on a, a thing or a person is and and then just fall into line. <laughs> okay, and okay. and if somebody says something that you think is out of order, but it seems to be what the majority think, just just bottle up any urge <laughs> you have to to speak up. Okay, okay, <laughs> all right. Um, Ed, thank you uh, genuinely. That's that's lovely that you've been with us so long. Um, I'm sorry I said that three looked like a bum. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't really, does it? Um, this comes from Drew McBrant, who says, Dear Jeff and Annabelle, hello. hello! Hello! 
I'm writing in to request a publication for my friend, Sam Cunningham, whose birthday is on the 6th of August. I've been uh, listening to Adrift since the start, following on from the radio show, which I listened to for around two years before you left the air. During these years, I often thought about sending a publication in. However, I never had anyone to publicate to, although I did consider asking for one for my cats, uh, since I would play the podcast on my Bluetooth speakers whilst doing housework. So they were subjected to it on a regular basis. I think that that is the right uh, description of anybody who has to listen to this podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Subjected to it. Yeah. Uh, alas, I never got round to it. Too much procrastination. More on that later. But here we are, years later, and I finally have a good reason for one. Since Adrift has started, I discovered that Sam too is a listener. And way back on episode 44, you read out her publication to me and my husband for our first anniversary. We are now past our third anniversary, and maybe it's time I actually send this email. The worst part about this overdue publication is that I first started writing it on the 1st of August 2018. I've even attached a picture of the email sitting in my draft box, untouched for years. I wish I had a valid reason for never finishing and sending it back then. I think I struggled with what to write without sounding too waffly. And then I procrastinated and then her birthday had passed and I was too embarrassed to send it late. I'm hoping that although one week late may be embarrassing to me, that two years late will make me seem endearing or quirky. Anyway, back to Sam. We've been friends for about seven years now, and although we don't see each other as much as I would like, whenever we do hang out, it's always such a joy. I feel like she's a real kindred spirit who understands how awkward life is, but never makes me feel uncomfortable when I put my foot in it. We haven't seen each other since November, as I moved away from London, and uh, just as we should have been seeing each other at a wedding, COVID struck. Lockdown has been a bit of a worry for us both, as we rely on the creative arts industry being open for our jobs. Whenever I get a text from her checking in on me and my husband, it's always a treat, and I'm so pleased that her work schedule has started filling up again. So please, can we podicate an episode to her, and I hope that we'll see her again soon. Keep up the passable work. Best wishes, stay safe, Drew McBrandt. Of course. Um, and I'm glad that work has started picking up again for Sam. I hope it does or has as well for you, Drew. I know it's been a real tough time for a lot of people, especially in in those industries and, and so many others, to be honest. Um, great. And again, thank you for being with us all this time. It's a lovely thing to read. And this comes from our friend Britt. Good old Brit, Brit Arand, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. Hi. Hope you're both keeping way. Well, sorry. Uh, I might be a bit too late, but I wondered if I could please have a publication this week. Well, fortunately, Brit, Annabelle's illness has meant that you can. Um, I'm, I feel really self-indulgent sending it to myself, but nobody else in my family or friends listen to Adrift yet. Mm. I have tried. Here's the thing, Brit. I mean, you've tried for so long, I think you're welcome to retire from trying. Yeah, you can, you can admit it's never going to happen. It's fine. You've really put in the, you know, put in the hours mm -mm. and it hasn't happened. It's awful because, like, Britt has, has told us, uh, you know, a lot about her family in the past and they all seem great. They've all gone down in my estimation a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, 
It's my birthday on the 5th of August and I'm holidaying in our motorhome in the Surrey Hills. We're having a family picnic in the afternoon to celebrate. My youngest son and his wife live here and we'll be coming over in the afternoon. And my eldest son and my little four-year-old granddaughter are coming down here to join us too. It would make my day extra special to wake up to my favourite podcast and podication. Annabelle, I identify with so much of reasons why I'm not a fully functioning adult. I also love hearing stories of both your little ones. God, it's good to know, Bricks. I do worry it's tedious when I talk. I, tr- I try to only talk about Gene if he's done something which has made a situation more socially weird or uncomfortable for me. Because I don't want to be a bit too much like oh, kids say the darndest things. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I'm I'm glad that it's landing okay with you. Um, she says also when you talk about what you've been eating through the week. Oh, so what have you eaten today, Annabelle? Me, I have had breakfast. I had some toast, and then I had a snack of a a tangerine easy peeler. For lunch, I had kind of a, a bit mixed bag, but hummus, bit of avocado, bit of pita bread, carrot cucumber um and then i had some palmer violets you're just uh, telling me you had crudities for lunch <laughs> with pita bread okay. um and then for dinner i had stir fry okay, okay. what about you um i had like sort of a, a warm chickpea salad and for um, breakfast a, no no this was for lunch and Sarah and I split two starters at this pub mm. that I mentioned before. So uh, we had a courgette flour, which was very solid. And no, no, that was it. We split a courgette flour and then we each had the chickpea salad. Um, I had a cracker just before I came upstairs. Um, and I had a bagel with some cream cheese this morning. And will you have your dinner afterwards then? I don't know if I'll bother with dinner today. Oh, because you must be stuffed from that courgette flour. <laughs> <laughs> You've barely eaten. Well, bagel and cream cheese is, is okay. you know, okay. there's plenty. Isn't there? okay. so it's not a light um, brunch. It was brunch time by the time I ate okay. it. And then it was two courses at lunch, like a, a starter and a main. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, I feel yeah. like it's, and I feel like it's quite a bit of food and then throw that cracker in. A year the cracker, of course, yeah. Yeah. I've got some leftover last night. I had um, a corn on the cob uh, peanut curry and there's some leftover mm. of that. Maybe I'll have a little nibble on oh, a corn on the yeah, cob. That, yeah, yeah. How I feel less that? bad about that meagre meal I gave you on Saturday now because like, <laughs> what you normally eat is like a cracker for dinner. So I'm fine now. <laughs> it was delicious, the meal. Mm. Mm. Just small. Yeah. What I thought it was is, you know, when you go to a fancy restaurant and they bring you out a little amuse-bouche. <laughs> I thought it was an amuse-bouche. Uh, like, where's my dinner now? Yeah. Mm. Um, what else? Where are we up to a Brit here? Let me carry on. Um, my family are used to me saying, ah, yes, Jeff. Annabelle was saying that the other day. Um, or I refer to your stories about Jean or Rudy you've shared when I'm talking about my granddaughter. I do have real life friends too, Brit. <laughs> Ads. Um, I'm amused at how my family now just accept that I bring you into conversation as if uh, you're one stroke two of my real life friends. Now without them saying, oh, is, is that the radio people you mean? <laughs> oh, she says, I went over to Macclesfield Town uh, the first time in months last week, first time in months since the lockdown. I do miss how the town used to be in the 90s. Certain things uh, like the guy who used to stand outside Music Zone shouting, pound for your lighters. Do you remember him? 
I do. But, I mean, there were a few of them. I know my cousin did that for a while. Mm. He was the guy standing outside McDonald's. I think he did like five gas lighters for a pound. Did he have you a business tell- license? <laughs> no, I think he was a hawk. I think he was a hawker. Because okay. he he would always transition to Santa hats at Christmas time. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> yeah, of course he did. <laughs> he was also that guy, you know, if you ever, um, let's see, a taxi rank outside a train station or wherever, there's all the taxi drivers and then there's just someone else, like, talking to them. Mm. Mm-hmm. He was he was that guy as well. Right, right. Or sometimes like you'd go on the bus and he'd be the guy sort of sitting at the front, sort of <laughs> facing into the bus, talking to the driver, which you don't see that so much anymore, but very sociable. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brett says, it's sadly not the place it used to be, but I guess the same is true in most high streets these days. It is, although the last time I was there, I went to, um, and I'm sure... You know, it struggled through the pandemic. I don't know if it's reopened. There was this great food hall that's opened in Macclesfield. And I thought, I mean, I'm in a Macclesfield Facebook group and I saw a load of people moaning about it saying, you know, like £10 for a bacon butty, which you would expect. But I think, well, if if you want a bacon butty, you don't want to pay a lot of money, go somewhere else. But they're trying to do something different. It's like high-end, right? Okay. And if, and if you fancy a treat, Macclesfield isn't known for trying something a bit different. And I really liked it. I mean, you know, it's a moot point for me because I'm vegetarian, so I wouldn't eat the bacon butty to begin with. But mm. um, it was, you know, one of these places, like a sort of fancy food court. They've got like loads of hipster chefs at different stalls cooking different things and then shared tables so how how they'll manage that you know with social distancing and the pandemic i don't know but i i really liked it brett i thought that for me could be one of the best things to happen to the town in Ooh. years but then i also worry about maybe that's just because i'm saying that from a position of privilege and i'm just seeing gentrification as something good i, I don't know i don't know what the answers are annabelle no, we did do a good episode of reasons to be cheerful about how the f- what the future is for town centres. Um, can't remember the episode number. Can't remember what conclusions we drew, but I remember it being really interesting. <laughs> okay, well we can all go back and and look for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there we go. Uh, latest edition of the podcast. Happy birthday, Brit. Um, I hope you've had a marvelous one with the family and um, and you're enjoying being in those Surrey Hills. Also. Happy birthday to Sam Cunningham from Drew McBrant and Sophie Marie Driscoll, 15 years old um, in St. Louis. Happy birthday, Sophie Marie. And uh, I hope this lives up to the podcast we gave you on your first birthday. And that's from your dad. Ed Driscoll the third. And there we go. That's the latest edition of the podcast. If you would like a podication, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.